Hi, welcome to episode 21 of The Teacher's Promise. I'm your host, Brett Hansen, and once again, I'm happy to help celebrate, inspire, and nurture educators around the world by sharing the amazing stories of extraordinary teachers and coaches. This week, we discuss a really important topic, compassionate coaching. Many of our kids spend almost as much time in front of their coaches as they do in front of their teachers, so it's essential that coaches discuss and promote kindness and positivity in our competitive arenas. And who better to guide this discussion than the coaches who realize this responsibility? This topic is another two-parter. This week we'll hear their stories, some advice for coaches and teachers, and learn why they became coaches, or want to be in Dylan's case. Make sure you return next week to hear about the essential discussion of how to become a great and compassionate coach, their mentors who started this process, and specific resources, books, and programs to improve the future of coaching. They're going to introduce themselves, so let's get right to it. Welcome back to The Teacher's Promise, everyone. Uh, glad to have you here. We've got a special show today, um, a show focused on the role of compassion and relationships in coaching. And I have four extraordinary guests uh, covering the whole gamut of you know, soon-to-be coaches, new coaches, uh, older coaches, experienced coaches, uh, teachers who are coaches, um, you know, community members working in the private sector who are coaches. And it's going to be a great, great story. So um, w- with us today, we've got Mark, Mike, Dylan, and Dylan. And just for the sake of clarity, we're going to be um, calling one of our Dylans, Dylan Z. And I'm going to have them, I'm sorry, Coach Z. And I'm going to have them introduce themselves to you because they know themselves better than I know them. So why don't you get us started, Mark? All right. Hi, everybody. I'm Mark Jonas. I'm the head football coach at Southern Door. I'm also the athletic director, and I also teach. I've been coaching for 38 years now, and I grimace when I say that because I'm really old compared to the two Dylans. But it's it's, uh, really cool to be able to be on here, and I'm thrilled. I I feel techie right now, and that's not something that Mike Brenwall would ever call me, but um, I, I feel techie, so thanks for having me. My pleasure. And Mike, since you already mentioned you, why don't you uh, introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, I'm Mike Brenwall. I uh, started coaching in 1987-ish, <clears throat> circa 1987. And uh, I'm one of those guys that uh, am not uh, employed by a school district. I actually work <clears throat> outside of the school district, but I certainly consider myself an educator and uh, getting into coaching certainly made me think twice about my profession and possibly even getting into education because of liking to be with the kids. But been around a while, coached uh, with a lot of great people like Mark Jonas and uh, a few others. But uh, I just love coaching football and being around the kids. Yeah, that's great. It's amazing. You could have been my high school football coach. I graduated in 88, and that was the one year I played football. I had all kinds of problems when I was younger, but you could have been my coach, so you have been around quite a while. Yeah. Yeah, Coach Z, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, so my name is Dylan Zaleski. Um, in my eighth year coaching sports in total, I started coaching right when I got into college. I was coaching actually baseball for the first four years of my coaching, and then the last four years I've been coaching football here at Southern Door. I'm a seventh grade English teacher. Just really got into coaching because I was lucky to go to a pretty successful school, real small school right in the middle of the state. Um, played for a Hall of Fame, a couple of Hall of Fame coaches. And I was always, uh, they were my male role models growing up. And 
made a pretty pretty easy decision to choose my career path when I got into college. So I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Brett. Yeah, my pleasure. Great. And then finally, our second Dylan, um, Dylan Schuster, why don't you tell us a little bit about your situation and, and uh, your experiences, Dylan, and what you want to do? Yeah. Hi, uh, I'm Dylan Schuster. I am neither a coach or teacher, but I'm aspiring to be both. I'm currently a student at St. Norbert College. Uh, I play football there. I've been playing football for 11 years now. Um, similar to what Coach Z said, I've had a lot of awesome coaches in my time playing. Also, a lot of awesome teachers, which has kind of led me down this road towards eventually uh, being an educator and coaching on top of that. Um, I think it's a great way to connect with kids. And yeah, I'm excited to talk about how that's gone for me. Yeah, that's great. And I saw in your notes that uh, you are coached by one of Mike's um, you know, respected mentor coaches. Who was that again? Yes, Coach Golumski, Coach G. He's an awesome guy. Awesome coach. He's not my coach specifically. He does running backs, but he's a super cool dude. One of my favorites at St. Norbert. And you know him, Mike? Absolutely. Yeah, I coached at St. Norbert for for a little bit. And when Jim Pertel was there and uh, got to work with uh, Coach DeKaiser and, and those guys, good group of folks. Yeah, DeKaiser maybe we'll... Great. Yeah. yeah, maybe we'll mention them a little bit more when we get to the you know to the question about mentors and stuff. So, obviously, the f- the first big question: if uh, anybody jump in when you want, uh, why become a coach? Why should um, people become a coach? Why did you become a coach? What's so great about being a coach? Oh, I'll jump in right away. It's uh, well, coaching and teaching are the same thing. Let, let's be real, because as as Mike said before. Once you start coaching, you realize that you're really teaching and you're teaching life skills all over the place. And when you love the sport that you're dealing with, it just is a natural to want to help others love that sport the same way that you did. And when you're lucky enough to have some great mentors like we all have, you know, based off of what everybody's been talking about, then you really want to give back even more because it's just it's paying it forward in in one of the best possible ways. Anybody else want to comment? Remember, yeah, once yeah. again, with these uh, pauses in the technology and stuff, just jump right in. Yeah, I was just going to add, you know, similar to what Mark said, when you played for really good coaches, uh, it makes it easy to really want to jump into the game. Uh, I was told by a coach when I was in college, actually, who's a college coach. He said, a mark, the true mark of a good coach is how many of his former players go to be coaches. Um, and I always thought that was true. And, you know, when you, when you have the blessed opportunity to play for two hall of fame coaches it's like i said it's hard not to pick that and like coach jonas said also you want to share in that joy with your players like coach jonas is a master at it he has fun while working hard and the kids love the sport because of that so um yeah just piggybacking off of what he said as well what about you dylan um as a player still you know what what is is there something that hasn't already been mentioned about why you really want to become a coach? Yeah. So I think kind of similar to what both Mark and coach Z were saying um, for me, I think sports and especially team sports like football, they provide such an opportunity to get to work on more of those life skills that you can't necessarily work on in the classroom. Um, just working with other people to reach some kind of common goal. That's arguably more fun. Like I'd rather play football than most other things I do with my time. Um, and at the same time, also such an individual game where you have to work on technique, 
uh, work on making yourself better and you can still compete with yourself while also getting to work with other people. Um, I think it just provides such a different atmosphere for um, learning how to deal with challenges and like becoming tough and working towards something that you can't really get anywhere else. Um, and as a coach, being able to help people reach their goals in that completely different atmosphere, I think is really awesome and something that I look forward to. Yeah, that being able to just uh, redirect your enthusiasm and your interest toward uh, a career. I mean, very few people get paid enough to live on with coaching, but it's part of the teaching profession and hopefully you guys get paid some. Were you going to say something, Mike? Yeah, I was just going to say uh, I got into coaching as purely uh, a kind of a different angle. Um, I, I just missed playing football for so long. I, I graduated in 1981, so I was fairly young when I got into coaching. Um, I had run into Coach Turnquist at a grocery store, and he had asked me if, if I'd be interested. And I got in, I got back into it just because I missed the game. It, it wasn't at that point. Um, you know, teaching the kids or, or whatever, uh, educating and any of that didn't come to mind at first, but it, it certainly grew into that right, right away. I mean, in those first years of coaching, I, I coached like I thought coaches should be. And as I grew into the position, um, you know, it, it came, uh, very quickly that, uh, no, you can't be a Vince Lombardi. You can't, you know, just scream at everybody. Um, so that uh, that kind of turned my world around, and I, I learned to um, adjust with, you know, being around those other coaches, and it it uh, it really grew from there. Yeah, and that's a great way for us to segue into the issue of compassion, because I mean, for those people listening who haven't listened before, this. Uh, podcast focuses on the role of compassion in teaching and coaching and all of our relationships with young people. And and so, I mean, the, the reputation, not the reputation, I'm sorry, the stereotype for many people is, especially with football, you know, the coaches are hard headed and just worried about the win. And I, I'm, I'm certain that that has changed to a great degree. Can Can you guys tell us how much it's changed and how is compassion, how does, what role does compassion play in being a coach nowadays? I think we have a, a variety of different kids um, these days. Um, there are more coming from single families, and some of them have responsibilities at home. We have to understand that, and we have to be cognizant of the fact that, you know, Jimmy might have to uh, leave practice early and, and go babysit his sister while mom, you know, heads off to work. There's just There's just certain things in the world today that, we have to be really uh, aware of with kids, um, you know, and and you get to love those kids because they, they, they come to practice every day knowing that, you know, they have responsibilities at home. And, and sometimes they're even afraid to ask, hey, coach, you know, can is it okay if I go watch my sister or whatever? But, you know, we, we just have to be uh, cognizant of that and, and, you know, have an open mind to, to some of the things that are uh, going on in the world today, my thought. I, I love what Mike just, one, I'm going to pick one word that Mike just said, and Mike said the word love. I think the kids need to know that as, as men, we can love them, we can hug them, we can cry with them, we can do all of that stuff and have, and still hold kids accountable 
and be tough and do all that stuff. But when they know that you love them, not just as a player, but as a person and as a, a group, as a team, boy, you can get just about anything out of the kids. And win or lose is irrelevant at that point because that doesn't even matter. What matters is that they get that feeling. And that is this kind of feeling to me that they'll carry forward. Yeah. And like Mike said, um, when he first started coaching, compassion maybe wasn't a part of it. And you realize quickly, you cannot coach the way you watched people coach on TV in the old days, Uh, myself included. After my first year, uh, I had to do some real soul searching about how, how did my position group really perform? Um, and it kept coming back to like, well, did you really build relationships with those kids? Um, it's like, well, I thought I did, but it wasn't in the context of what they understood relationships to be. And that's where compassion and kindness came in for me. And it's as simple as asking a kid, hey, how was school today? And then that starts a dialogue. And you do that over time and it builds the relationship. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I don't want to put you on the spot, Dylan, but is, is uh, how do you see this stuff happening at St. Norbert right now as a college player is – is it more of a priority? Yeah, so and I was actually just about to talk about that. Um, those coaches, both at St. Norbert and that I had in high school and middle school, that I think took the time to talk to you, get to know you, care about you, they, they're they the ones that stand out to me as being great coaches. Um, at St. Norbert, Coach G in particular, Coach DeKaiser, uh, Coach Tello, um, these are people that would take the time to just talk with us, even if it was when we were supposed to be doing individual drills. We'd spend some time chatting. And I think that's when we really grew the most as players and learned to trust each other, get to know each other and just kind of become comfortable with where we were. Um, And it showed not only in that we had friendships, but also we had results because it's just building chemistry and teaching us to, you know, kind of love love each other as players and as friends. Um, So, yeah, I've seen it carry over a lot in pretty much every area of football that I've ever played in. Yeah. Well, it sounds like things are definitely changing, probably have been changing for a while. And, uh, you know, maybe we can help spread the good word that it's it's not just about winning and it's not just about toughness, even in, in, a, in a sport like football. So that's good news. The um, one of the things that, you know, that I think isn't perhaps talked about enough is that, you know, we, we see the big coaches getting paid lots of money and the players and things like that. <laughs> but coaching is a really stressful job and and I don't think it pays too much. Can you guys tell us a little bit about how you deal with the stress in regards to taking care of yourself? What, one of the major principles on this podcast is that teachers need to learn to take care of themselves. They need to take care of themselves in order to take care of others. How do you guys do that during the season? Well, I can just, I, I'll speak to it as a head coach. Um, there's a lot of stress as a head coach. I mean, you, you're, I'm not getting paid to lose games. But at the same time, winning is not the only thing that you're being judged on. But in a community and in the press, oftentimes it is. Um, but what I like to do for my own coaches and for my players, we do not come in on Saturdays and Sundays. I don't want them to have to think of, oh, I've got, you know, game Friday night and then I've got to get up early Saturday morning. Well, people used to make sure everybody gets up early Saturday morning so they weren't going out drinking Friday night. So instead of drinking Friday night, they'll just go out and drink Saturday night so that on Sunday they, you know, they know they don't have to come in. Well, I'd rather kids have family time and I want my coaches to have family time and I've got to be flexible enough to coach. Like if Coach Z 
um, with his outside backers. Say he's got a family responsibility he's got to take care of. Well, then I'm going to jump in and I'm going to coach that spot for that day. And I'm going to check with him and on what he needs. Or when I worked with Coach Brenwall, I would, if I needed to jump in for Coach Brenwall or he needed to jump in for an offensive line coach um, who needed something, I think you just got to build that flexibility and understanding to know that this isn't life or death. It's just high school football. And too many people treat it way bigger than what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I actually think, you know, um, you're part of your job as a coach is to give kids perspective because I don't know any, you know, who has more pressure on them than the small town athlete. I mean, to them, it's everything. So I think demonstrating that um, this isn't the end all be all. This is really, really important and it's going to set you up for a lot of good things. But it's still, like you said, the game of football. Um, and then for me, uh, I just like to spend time with my uh, fiance and our dog. And actually, she has a cottage up on the lake where Coach Jonas has one that we like to escape to whenever we can. I know in, in my case, uh, I, I've been coaching so long, my my wife knows from, from August to end of October, she kind of sees me come and go. And that's, that's about <laughs> it. But, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's an adjustment that, uh, you know, I, I give her a lot of credit for kind of, you know, putting up with that, that time away from, you know, she basically, you know, raised my two sons, uh, that <clears throat> during those years, during those months. And, uh, you know, we got to give a lot of credit to our family um, and tell them we love them as well, you know, when we're not there. But um, the, the time we spend with the kids on the field and and uh, coaching them and developing those relationships, um, like Mark said, it, it's much more than football. Um, you know, you, you get to build that <clears throat> that chemistry and that, that uh, you know, those little jokes and little elbow pumps that you get with each other in the gut and and uh joke around with them uh and you know me being a little bit older it, it, it makes me feel young as well just to be around the younger group yeah i i can't speak to this from personal coaching experience but my dad's been coaching for a long time um and for a couple of years when i was in high school he was doing youth and high school stuff uh, and I think for him to really unwind kind of like everyone else has said so far is spending time with family, especially the kids. Um, he and my mom would make it a point to still get to my stuff, whether that was my football game on Friday nights, uh, band competitions on the weekend, make it to my brother's games, um, just to kind of keep everything in check and take some time to de-stress and just spend time with your family, even if it's just watching them play. Um, I think that's been the biggest thing for them. And obviously that has been for all of you too. So I can echo that from observing. So uh, I'm wondering, those of you who are, are are coaching at some kind of high school level, whether you're a teacher or not, what, what's the like ratio of the number of coaches, say, on the football team or a baseball team that are teachers at that school or a nearby school that are so? How, how what's the percentage of coaches who are also teachers? Go ahead, go ahead Z. No, okay. you go, Z. Well, where I grew up, it was all the teachers, all the male teachers were coaching something pretty much. Um, and I, you know, like any small town kid, you just assume it's that way everywhere. Uh, when I first came here, I was one of ooh, one of two or three teacher coaches. It was mostly lay coaches or non-teacher coaches in the school. 
Um, but that's since flipped, and I think there's a lot – not that there's anything wrong with that, but that was just what it was at that time. Uh, now there's more teachers that are coaching here at Southern Door. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with Z. I think at Southern Door we're about um, 50-50 with teachers versus non-teachers right now. Um, I can tell you that schools like uh, Bayport and Kimberly – Virtually their entire staffs are people that are teachers um, and their administration made it a priority to put teachers and coaches in front of the kids as much as possible. Um, Clearly, from a head coaching point of view, it's better to be in the building just so that you have that daily contact. Um, But it also depends on who that coach is, you know, and I the reason why I suggested Mike be on this is because he's one of the most compassionate guys I've ever seen with the kids truly and the kids he doesn't need to be in front of the kids in the daily like passing in the hallway for them to know it because he connects with them outside of it but um it it is nice being in the building and seeing the kids yeah so how do you how do you coach slash teachers um balance that i mean when i i coached when i was a beginning teacher but it was mainly because i wanted to connect with the kids and we needed the money I mean, I just had to have the money for my family, but, um, well, how do you balance the educator coach role? Z? Well, you know, I schedule it off my first year. It was kind of, I mean, I was single at the time. So it was kind of a whole weekend deal of watching film, uh, practice after school at those days of practice till about six o'clock and then go home and watch film of that practice. Uh, it's a little different when you're single, you can do that. But, um, now with coach Jonas, we actually get done at a, reasonable time where it's still light out um and then we i can go back and watch a little film and it's only seven o'clock so i still have time to eat and commiserate with my fiance and our dog and um the weekends are pretty much so saturday morning usually is when film gets watched um sometimes it veers into saturday afternoon but um it's 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 a honestly it's an ongoing thing that i'm always tweaking and adjusting um, and then, of course, you know, Mark and I are English teachers, so <laughs> there's the added fun of grading essays during the season, which when that happens, like, I honestly couldn't tell you what the ratio is because it just gets done when it gets done. So, yeah, I, I agree with Dylan. I, it's, you know, balancing teaching and coaching is, is interesting depending upon in season, out of season. You know, when you're in season, it is tough to get all those all those essays corrected. Um, you just pound through them as much as you possibly can on the weekends and uh, know that, you know, if you're drained during the week, that's how it is. But I'm also really upfront with my students and let them know where I'm at. You know, on Fridays, I generally tell my students, look, I'm probably going to be pretty wound up on a Friday. So in class, be on really good behavior because I'm going to be I'm going to be in a little uptight mood, you know, and and they get it um, and they understand it. and um, I think the the more you know out in the open you are with your kids um, in the classroom, the easier it is for them to you know empathize a little bit with where you're coming from. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it seems like a lot to do. I've you know watching how much work is put into it, and I I know as a you know just as a teacher to add all that coaching to it would be would be tough. So, what advice or support would you share or give to? Um, 
uh, future coaches, people like Dylan? What, what would you like to tell Dylan and anybody else who might end up hearing this about the best way to to get started in a career as a as a coach or a coach teacher? Um, you know, in in twenty twenty two, twenty twenty three. Yeah, I would just say be patient with the kids and patient with yourself. You know, you're you're not going to know everything right away. Be patient with yourself because even if you played with a really good group of guys and a really smart coach that did this this way or that that way, uh, there's a million different ways to do things in football. And just understand that if you, you know, have a disagreement with a coach or you maybe don't do something right the first time, it's, it's okay. You're still out there uh, being a positive role model for – kids um and then just with the kids too because you know depending on the you know team you're coaching you practice something a hundred times and then you get to friday night and it's it's done the complete opposite way you said it and that's just sometimes um that's sometimes how coaching is so be patient with yourself and patient with the kids mike i would just add uh be uh, very open to listening to the kids uh, try to figure out what they're asking you. Uh, you know, sometimes a kid doesn't quite understand what the point or, or the drill or the uh, motion that you're trying to get across to them. And, and again, that for me, that's part of the fun is figuring out, do they like to be yelled at? Do they like to be shown it on a board? Do they like to be demonstrated to? Um, but, you know, kind of listen to what they have to say. Uh, I know that as a coach, we like to say, well, this is the way we're going to do it. And, and that's it. But, um, and not only talking to the kids, but also listen to the, the other staff and uh, other coaches at the clinics and be open to, to new ideas um, and different concepts that, uh, you know, maybe you weren't uh, brought up with. I, I'm going to finish that. I agree. Del- Z and, and Mike both Dylan gave you great advice, but you have, you're coming from the business because your dad's a coach. So you're going to get this. I think you got to be honest with the kids. Like if some kid says, how come I'm not playing? Be honest. Let them know. This is what, this is why. And, and this is how we can fix it. Um, Cause kids need to know that too. So honesty is really important. Don't try to sugarcoat it and be their friend and go, Oh yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. Uh, uh-uh. kids need to know the truth sometimes and it's good to start from the bottom up like um start off being a freshman coach at a big program and work your way up um i think a lot of times kids coming from college and i i was in your boat because i played in college too is you think you know a lot and you you feel like you should be on, on the varsity right away or you should be a coordinator right away or whatever there's so much to learn um about your own coaching style because you haven't started it yet, you know, and, and so that's important. And the last thing I would leave you, leave, leave you with is this, what, what's your, why know your purpose? Why do you want to coach and always keep that in mind, you know, and if you, if you stay true to that, you're going to be in great shape. Thanks. Good advice. Dylan, do you have any questions for these guys? Uh, not questions, but I will piggyback on the honesty thing that Mark was just talking about. One of the first things that uh, Coach Tello told me when I got to St. Norbert was not to take anything personal, um, not meaning that he was going to be super rude to me or anything, and if he was, I had to call him out. But kind of going with the whole theme of honesty, basically just like he was going to tell me what he thought I needed to hear, whatever he thought would make me the best version of myself as far as football goes. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'll just I'll second that. I guess I haven't actually done it yet, but – 
um, it was super helpful as a player and it's something that I want to definitely keep in mind. Yeah, good advice from all you guys. Good job. The, um, the next thing I was hoping we could maybe talk about is advice that you'd like to give to non-coaching teachers. Um, there will be a lot of teachers listening to this. Um, and you know, what would you like to tell them about the kids as uh, athletes, as student athletes? What would you like to let them know about, um, about how you feel about things or what's going on or any stereotypes or mistakes or misnomers that you'd like to correct about uh, coaches, coaching, or this whole process? I just wish other, I just wish all the teachers would understand that we are all on the same team. Like here, since I'm at Southern Door, we are all Southern Door Eagles. They are, the teams are, we're all the same team. And the coaches have the same goals, hopefully, that the teachers do. And that's to get these kids to grow and, you know, just become better, as I think Dylan says before, better versions of themselves. And, you know, to steal something from Jerry Maguire, help me help you. You know, I think we're here to help as much as possible and, and non-teachers or non-coaches that are teachers need to understand that we're, we're not against, they, they and we are not against the teachers. Yeah, and I would just say don't assume, you know, and it, not that I've had a whole lot of experience with this, um, very little, but don't assume that, you know, because a kid is acting in a negative way that as coaches we, like, aren't on the same side as you, like Mark said, um, we're helping trying to build these kids to be better men every single day, just like everybody else. Sometimes, you know, the entitled athlete gets a bad reputation, but you know, we see those things and we try to help with those things just as much as non-coaching teachers do. Yeah. I think, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, no actual experience with it, but something that I've experienced, I think like receiving this, um, it's kind of what Mark was talking about, how f football, at least for me, is just an extension of teaching or like being a learner. Um, in our case, we're just learning a slightly different set of skills, uh, but all things that could directly translate to a classroom. Um, and like Mark said, we're all, we're all on the same team, trying to get to the same end goal, making these, in our case, men better men, um, but really just trying to make them better people. Um, and I think just keeping that in mind could go a long way. You want to add anything, Mike? Well, I, th I think uh, in not being a teacher, but I, I can certainly say that teaching is one of the noblest professions to be able to, you know, reach out and touch uh, the younger generation coming up. Um, and you could further do that by getting into coaching. You, even if you don't know anything about the sport, or, uh, you know, that, that, that will all come. And, and there's a lot of other coaches around to help you um, do that. But um, I, I sometimes regret that I didn't become a teacher, but um, a little late in life to switch occupations. But um, I do have a lot of respect for them and, and what they do. And um, I guess, uh, you know, if, if they want to continue and you get more uh, uh, involved with the students, become a coach. Yeah, I know that uh, schools are um, hoping for that. I, I know that you know, many administrators want as many uh, teachers coaching as possible. And uh, when I was a younger teacher, 
when when there were stronger unions, teachers kind of had first dibs for coaching. And part of it was because they really wanted people who were uh, spending so much time with the kids to, to you know, to know basic um, skills in regards to building relationships and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's great advice. Thanks, coaches, for getting this discussion started. We hope all listeners will not only come back next week for the rest of the story, but tell other coaches, mentors, and teachers to join us. And if you know a wonderful female coach who might like to be on the show, I'm looking for a few kind women who'd like to talk about what it's like to be a female coach and then to also talk about compassion and if it's different for uh, female coaches and male coaches. Please email me or DM me on Facebook if you know of anyone or just spread the word and they can contact me. Always remember, you are part of the noblest profession, that all children are our children and deserve our intelligent compassion, and that we must take care of ourselves in order to take care of others. So please don't sacrifice everything. You need to be happy too. See you next week.